Hello everyone, I hope you're doing very, very well. I just wanna start off and saying like this topic is gonna to be very hard for me, so there will be a lot of pauses and like sighs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, God has made strong. <laughs> and yeah, just to jump in, um, everyone wants the million dollar smile. Uh, the big, nice pearly whites, the no braces, the no gaps, no gum showing, no lisp, like, Everyone wants that, you know, you, you look on TV and you see these celebrities and they smile and it's like shining in your face. Well, my smile decided not to come to that party. I guess I was either not invited or just decided not to show up. Um, look, while I'm aware that God has made me wonderfully and perfectly made, today I talk about one of my biggest insecurities, Eligio Dantea. Um, what exactly is oligodontia? Oligodontia is a rare condition of the teeth where six or more absences. It affects 0.1 to 0.2% of the population. In total, I have 19 and I'm missing 13, which is twice more than what is needed. Um, every normal human has about 32 teeth, 28 plus the wisdom teeth you have. Uh, and my body just decided it was gonna be chill and not create any of those genes. Today, I'll tell you why. Okay, but like, y'all, do y'all remember the Punnett Square, like in, bi in biology? Where like you had the four sections and you had like your big A and your little A and all that stuff? Yeah, that is my life, okay? So my mom has big A, little A, right? And my dad has big A, little A, right? And there's four of us. I mean, it's it's perfect biology. Like any scientist would look at our and be like, yo, that's perfect. <laughs> so the first square, right, has big A and big A. So double A, double big A. Yeah, double big A. And that means that the person is not a carrier and they don't manifest that gene or whatever recessive gene and then the two of these children the second two i don't know the second and third box right is big a and little a meaning that that person is a carrier they don't show it because of the dominant a of course this is a little biology session, so i hope you're writing this down they don't show it but they have the carrier meaning that if you were to have children with a big a and a little a person one of their children will have the recessive gene and then in the fourth square you have little a and little a and little a or double little a means that the person shows the gene shows the recessive gene and is a carrier so both of them like that that's me basically that's me <laughs> both of my parents had the recessive gene of legiodontia and it manifested in my body when i was growing up so basically, how did that happen? So while I was being formed in the womb, I think it's a it's a gene that is mutated or just is not there. So either both of my parents have the mutation of legiodontia and it passed down to me, or both of my parents just did not have that gene of all 32 teeth. Whatever it was, my body decided to take it for grabs, okay? <laughs> Which is kind of funny because, like, 
I look at my parents smile and they're like like they got they got all 32 teeth or like it it just doesn't show but that's not true because I actually sat down one time with my parents and I was like yo what's up like why 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 did y'all you know what happened and I talked to my mom one day and she was like which is my my mom was like um you see what happened was I actually don't have all three two of my teeth my mom was actually missing I think like four or five or four not four or five like two or three of her molars and she just thought it was like you know just like anybody any other thing and then my dad i think he's missing like one or two teeth uh, again also molars so those both of these people had these recessive genes and they just thought like it was you know it was <laughs> it was cool to, to match up um but i'm thankful that i'm alive because you know other people don't have the same exact chances um, of living um so as a baby growing up, I get born, blah, blah, blah. At first, of course, you can't, you know, you can't look in my mouth and be like, yeah, she has a legiodontia. Um, they didn't realize something was wrong until the teething stage, which happens around, like, I think it's six months, six or seven months. Or is it, I, I can't remember. Oh, my developmental psychology teacher won't be happy with me. I think it's five to seven months where your baby starts teething. It could be earlier, I'm pretty sure, but I'm pretty sure it's not, like, it's, it can't be past like seven months um, during the this stage uh, your bottom two teeth starts growing in hence why like the baby starts like biting on your hand or like you have to buy like those like cold rings you put in the fridge because it hurts um, so obviously that wasn't me I was chilling I wasn't biting on nothing and my mom who was, who was a nurse at the time was like yo there's something wrong with this kid this, this kid she's not biting on nothing and I was looking at her like I was chill like of course I'm not biting on anything um, so they realized that something was happening and you know something was wrong because I wasn't teething I wasn't biting on anything you know my teeth weren't coming in so they went to like every doctor in town they thought it was a they thought it was a um, something had to something was wrong with my learning or like I had like a learning disability that came with it it was just a lot of stuff that um, my parents were very worried about um until about five not not five around like three years old i was officially diagnosed with legiodontia they finally realized after some you know hereditary things and they did like a test and blah 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 that they realized that i just did not have those teeth it wasn't that they weren't coming it wasn't that they were coming in late or it was um part of another syndrome it's just that my body did not create that gene i had um carried I both received little a and little a um which was kind of hard for my parents because they they I guess they felt really bad and they didn't know um didn't know that they had that and I can't blame them because you know you, you not a lot of people know um they're the carriers or they have recessive genes like not a lot of people know that until like you do tests for it or it manifests in one of your children so my parents did feel really bad because um you know, obviously, I would have to, I had to go through a number of like surgeries and stuff like that to fix the smile that I had, and eventually restore a smile that just never came in. Um, again, like I said, it was hard for me because as a young child growing up, uh, I had to explain to a lot of my classmates and teachers, and there was just, like a lot of stories. Um, surrounding me about you know what happened to this child what happened blah 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 what's wrong with this child 
um, I had to learn how to like tell people like if I were to introduce myself I would be like oh my name is Piso Dumer and I have Legiodontia or I have missing teeth um, and my parents were like we had to explain to you know other parents and like oh no like she's there's nothing wrong with her she just you know she just has missing teeth and I did grow up you know being bullied because of it and I grew up you know being harassed with it and I had a number of questions like even from like people who were older than me other parents are like oh did she get punched in the mouth did she fall did she like these stupid questions were <laughs> asked me me and I'm like six years old and I barely even know you know what's happening you know people were coming to me like oh did you fall did you get punched in the mouth like I remember one kid came to me and was like did you get punched in the mouth I bet you're deep and I was like no I'm just born like this <laughs> um it got to a point where like I started getting smart and people were like, oh, what happened to you? I'll be like, nothing happened to me. Which is true, because nothing happened. Like, it just didn't come in. Um, uh, again, it became part of my personality, having to constantly explain, 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 telling a story, blah, blah, blah. To have to sit up, hey, my name is Jason Mayer. Like, um, at a young age, it was, it was hard uh, for me. And I grew up, you know, getting so tired and overwhelmed. And eventually, like, I just did it over my mouth like if I wanted to say something like I would cover my mouth or you know I had to live my life you know because of these two little genes these two little DNA being combined to each other and eventually became even not even worse but it eventually became harder because not only did I have to tell these stories but every month I would have to go to the orthodontist and that is the next segment. Because my case was so special, um, after going to a number of dentists and doctors and orthodontists, I was referred to University of Baltimore Dental School uh, because I had a case that not many um, dentists could afford to help with. I was sent there because these were graduate students who were up and coming and they understood and they had more research about this type of stuff and it was also cheaper than having to go to a private dentist because obviously my case was you know not just like the regular six month cleaning that you needed um i had to go every month so every every thursday and my and my appointments were set on thursday so every thursday Every one Thursday in a month, I would travel to downtown Baltimore to see like what they could do and um, stuff like that. Um, at first, um, a lot of the a lot of the trips were just like regulation and checking up and see if anything else happened. A lot of it was uh, a plan to figure out what exactly um, was to happen when I was old enough. Um, There's a lot of changes. There were a lot of different doctors, dentists. People graduated through me. Um, a lot of um, former dentists that I had actually came back and visited me like when I took it like the entire clinic knew who I was like I could walk in there without my parents and they were like oh hey peace I'm like hey what's up like it was like a second family um, I mean I when I tell you I had like every dental experience you could have I had I had dentures I had retainers I had braces x-rays I got like my own favorite mint toothpaste like I could have every experience you could have at the dentist I had um, and it was a lot because not only was it um, like emotional pain that I had to go through and an emotional reminder that 
in societal terms something was wrong with me but it was also physical pain like you know when you go to the dentist you lie on your back and your mouth is open for like 30 minutes I, I I actually had one hour appointments I had to sit on my I had to lay on my back and open my mouth for an hour and which is hard because like you know your jaw hurts and stuff like that it was a lot um, and I most often the times when I went to these appointments I often like disassociated like I never really paid attention to what was happening because it was it was it was twice the pain it was not only the r reminder but like it was the actual physical pain like having to have people like stick a bunch of um, utensils in my mouth and um, having to get braces having to get retainers having to like have like I don't know what it's called but like the mold things those big plastic mold things like I it was Whew, man, when I say I wanted to fight this, these people, <laughs> I wanted to fight these people. <laughs> um, but I understood that um, they were doing their job. Um, uh, even though, like, I remind myself that I'm uniquely made. I age 19 now. Like, it, it's it's. It's a very difficult and sensitive topic for me to talk about. Um, I can feel really good one day, and you know, be you know perfectly fine, completely confident. Um, but then, like, I'll run my teeth, or like, I accidentally like bite down on my tongue, and I realize that you know, be, like, I have these gaps, or I have you know, like, these braces, or I have like this retainer. Um, and I remember, like, when I got the partial dentures. Um, like you can't you can't eat with dentures you have to take them out and like I thought them I when I tell you that I hated them I hated them I hated wearing them um, so like whenever like I had to eat at school like I, I would go to the bathroom move it and eat and then put it back in when I was done and when I tell you that whole process was um, just overwhelming for me like there would be days where I didn't want to eat at school or like I would eat in a secluded place because I didn't want people to like see me take out the dentures and then put it back in. Um, I went through years of harassment um, from ex-friends, bully stares and laughter. Um, you know, people would ask me the questions like, oh, what happened to your teeth? And now I had to explain it and they would like laugh in my face. Um, I learned to cover my mouth when I smiled or like whenever it came to like pictures, picture day. Um, like I would just smile with like, no, I'll just do like a regular closed mouth smile. I was so ashamed of my teeth. I was so ashamed with, you know, having to like open my mouth and speak. Um, many times I wonder like what would life, what life would be like if I was born with a perfect smile or at least a smile that, you know, was socially acceptable. Um, and I, and now when I, and I, and I still go to these appointments every month. Um, and like even now in college, I thought I could run away from it. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I can't, of course. <laughs> so like every month, um, I had to like my mom or my my sister would have to drive 45 minutes to get me, then 45 minutes back to um, Baltimore. Uh, I had to formulate. I had to formulate a plan with my dentist where um, we'd figure out things to do. Um, I remember when I first got my braces, I got my braces when I think it was in ninth grade year. And usually you take your braces off um, for two years. So I would, 
in a normal case, I would have gotten my braces off in the 11th grade year. But since I had so many missing teeth and so many spaces um, to be filled, I've had my braces on for about like five years now. And I still, I think I still have to go on for more, one more year until um, I get like a retainer and then like either get surgery or something like that. So it's very hard because it's not something I can run away from. It's not something I can, you know, like put makeup over or necessarily hide because I mean, it's my smile. And with a smile, it's the first thing that someone notices about you. It's the, um, it's the first thing that, you know, someone looks at you and sees. So I, I, I like created ways where I could go through life either hiding it in a way where like you really have to look at me to notice or like I would just I would just have to like suck it up and tell someone like yeah my name is Susan and this is my story um but with all of that like you would think that through all of this all this insecurity through all of this like pain like it would stop me but nah okay so like especially at a young age you would think that all the stuff i'm going through would really make me to a really really shy person and even though i was shy i was like that introvert extrovert kid like I was shy around new people, but like once I got to know you, like you were stuck with me forever. <laughs> like you, you, <laughs> you cannot leave. <laughs> once you're my friend, like you can't leave at all. Um, no, like I was, I was the class clown. I was the class clown. I was the class cr- clown. I was a rowdy kid. Um, I did a lot of stuff in school. I did choir. I've been doing choir for like probably most of my life. I did choir. A theater plays um, I, I, I would probably say that my lack of physical confidence confidence is what fueled my social skills and um, I started like standing up for myself a little bit more like through jokes or through like sarcasm and now today I, I really thank God um, for my abilities in communications because um, because I was so scared of what people thought about me I just talked about it and I just said who I was and because I was so used to like telling people stories and stuff like that like all my names he's like doing all that stuff had fueled my ability to communicate with people had fueled my ability to um you know walk into any room and tell them whatever I wanted to tell them um and now where I am right now I am very lucky to like do like a couple speeches to do debates to do this podcast even um I really pride myself Um, with the influence of my voice with being able to communicate being able to take action with my words being able to you know again walk into any room and not be afraid with with not be afraid of who I was talking to because I have developed that skill since like I was six Um, and I'm not saying that it's completely perfect and I'm not saying that you know oh yeah like I have no problem I have you know complete total confidence because I don't and I still have old habits and I still you know pause sometimes when I speak and I still you know get afraid whenever I meet a new person and I think what I and we as a people and you as a person 
um, she realized that you know many of your weaknesses are are what has made you strong um, if you take a weakness and you compare it to other people it actually shows that you know like you're actually a pretty strong person and um, and because of being able to stand up for myself a little bit a little bit more like man like I can sing in the choir I have no problem talking to some random person from 5 to 37 I don't know I have no problem um, and I think one of the biggest influences that helped that feel that social skill was choir was singing because I love singing so much I love singing and there was even one time back on campus where um, I lost my voice like I genuinely lost my voice I was drinking everything on the sun tea honey like I was drinking everything on the sun to make my voice come back but it just won't come back it just didn't want to and I was sad because I thought I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to perform well and I was like y'all pray for me because my voice is gone <laughs> and it, it felt really sore and you know I was drinking water constantly because I really wanted to perform in a great way and um it got to the point where like I, I, I thought about like giving my solo to someone else because I had a solo at the end of the concert. I was to close the concert and um, it got to the point where I was like maybe I shouldn't do this, maybe blah blah blah. Like five minutes before the concert, <laughs> even minutes before I actually went up to the um, microphone, I was like oh my gosh I don't know blah blah blah. Um, but I did it. I did it and a lot of people praised me. A lot of people were like, oh, you did so good. You did so amazing. Now, when I said thank you, they're like, is your voice okay? And I was like, no, I lost my voice. And people were like, what? You're singing up there but you have lost your voice? I was like, yeah, miracles. Oh, um, so like, even though a weakness, even though a lack, even though a struggle of, I'm still able to perform. I'm still able to speak. I'm still able to push myself forward, even though it's hard, even though it makes it may seem imperfect even though it may seem like um i'm not the person for the position for the audience um i can still use the um the experiences i have to you know again speak to anyone um and like if you see me around you know i'm always talking you know i'm always holding debates you know i'm always you know introducing a new topic <laughs> controversial and i um I'm constantly laughing, like my energy's always up and crazy and you know, it's it's who I am. I've made, you know, really big insecurity, really big um, thing that hurt that hurted me a lot when I was younger. I have I have finally accepted it for who I am. And yeah, I mean like I'm able I'm able to, you know, make really good jokes and I'm like constantly smiling, you know, teeth or no teeth. Like I'm always I'm always in someone else's business. Like I have I have allowed myself to be myself and I again like if someone again I, I try to remind myself like if someone doesn't want to be with me then they won't be with me because I'm a pretty great person. I think I'm a pretty great person. <laughs> um but if someone is is willing to judge me because of my appearance then they're not then they don't deserve to know me on the inside they don't deserve to know my personality and you should apply that too okay next segment look let me just remind you everybody has insecurities everybody has weaknesses struggles lacks 
deficiencies like everybody has something that doesn't make them perfect like there is not one perfect human being I, I promise you and if they look perfect on the outside then that inside is messed up okay <laughs> and it took me a long time to realize that because I grew up in a house where perfectionism and being perfect was portrayed 24 7 even though my parents on the outside weren't perfect like their work ethics and their academics were perfect so as I strive to be that perfect person I constantly beat myself up when I couldn't get it when I pushed myself back when I was too shy like I constantly beat myself over it and I didn't allow myself to um, grow as a person, to grow as a human, to grow as an individual, because I was constantly comparing myself to other beings, other people. But in the Bible, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Let me just tell you the person who created you is not just your mom and dad, but your actual creator, God. He knows every single thing about you every single insecurity that you know or you don't don't know about he knows every single thing like the struggles the lacks the hurt like he knows about it and like why would you beat yourself up because that person still loves you regardless if mankind if human being if your friends family blah 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 don't love you but we have this one person who continue to love you no matter what then why would I care about what a person who barely even knows me has to say about me? Like, I used to beat myself so much because these people I barely even knew, I've met once or twice in my life, would hate on me and tell me who I was, and I would allow them. I would genuinely allow them. These people don't know me from Adam. These people don't know the, what good things I've done for my friends. These people don't know my personality, and I allowed them to portray an image that was so wrong, that was so ugly they their portrayal of me was a portrayal of them not who i was in real life not generally who i was you are special like if you really think about it if you really think about the number of chances for you to be born first of all to be actually birthed like to actually go and be birthed and to live the age you are right now like do you know how many chances there are for you for you to have died, for you to have fallen sick. Like, the number of chances that you're still alive on this earth today, like, if you really th think about it, it's not a coincidence. Because you're not better than anybody else. You're not more special than, like, even in that aspect, like, you're still special, if that makes sense. Like, God has a plan for all of us. And even though society has said oh because of this you're not enough because of this you're not enough because of this you can't because of this blah 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 like no no I, not at all whenever I hear, I hear my friends beat themselves up I'm like girl are you serious are you really serious you're gonna let someone who barely knows who you are who barely knows you from Adam doesn't know how much you've worked doesn't know how much you stayed awake late at night like doesn't know your struggles to tell you who you are and it hurts. It hurts. Like, it's it's true. It hurts. And sometimes it does push us back. And sometimes it does make us fall. And sometimes it does make us sin because it hurts. But it's about the times that we get up. It's about the times we get up. You never know what weaknesses 
insecurity, lack can easily make you a leader of other people who can have it. The number of plus size models I've seen, the number of people who go out of their way, allow themselves to be in the forefront to make sure that people behind them have a better space, that's what inspires me. That's what keeps me going. Yeah, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, you can't do it. The devil tells me you can't do it. Society tells me you can't do it. My parents tell me, like, even so, even though it hurts in that spirit, as long as you're alive, as long as you're still breathing, that means that there's a purpose for you here on earth. Let me tell you that. Don't let the world tell you what you can do. And I know that's so cliche. Don't let the world tell you what you can't do. And I know that's so cliche. And I know everybody's like, oh my God, everybody says that, blah, blah. Like, it's just, it's true. It's really true because you know, you know your body and you know what you've been through and you know what struggles you've been through and you know how much work you've put in. You cannot let a world that doesn't know you tell you who you are. And I wish I could go back and tell myself that because the number of opportunities I've missed, the number of blessings I've missed because I let myself to be held back by what society told me, by what other people told me by what I even told myself, I really think I would have been somewhere higher. If I could change, if I could go back in time and tell six-year-old peace, I would say, sis, like, smile even bigger. Smile in the face of your enemies. Work even harder because you know, you know the steps you've taken, you know the work you've put in, you know how much tears, blood, and sweat you have done to get yourself to where it is. You know how many prayers, how many other prayers from people, how many times you've asked questions. You know, so don't, don't let someone dim that light and don't peace I'm looking at you right now peace don't let nobody tell you when your smile is not beautiful because it is um y'all like I'm so grateful that everybody has been listening it means a lot Um, If you've gotten to the end of this episode, I try to keep it a little bit shorter than 40 minutes. Um, Maybe next time I can reach like 25 hours, something like that. But it means a lot that you guys have listened. Um, I even got to reach my goal of like 10 listens in a week. Uh, So it means a lot. And I hope to reach more goals with y'all with the Mindful Coffee family. Um, If you have any ideas, advice, improvements, topics you want to hear about, or even want to join the podcast, um, or you have prayer requests or advice, like, just let me know. You can DM me on Insta at p.i.m.o. Um, and yeah, like Jayco said, no need to fix what God has already put his paper on, okay? Your roommate yelling, why you gotta take so long? <laughs> um, this has been Peace of Mero, Peace of Mero on Life of Coffee. Continue sipping, continue smiling, and be mindful. And I'll see y'all next week a new topic for a new podcast peace bye y'all i'm hungry i'm gonna go order some food do i even have money i don't know (laughs) 